Welcome everyone to this is Manchester is burning for January the 9th, 2021. We are coming at you at y'all from Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. It's been a weird few days, y'all. And it may get weirder, who knows, but we're not here to talk about that today. We told y'all, I told y'all, and I put it out there that we are going to put that flag in the ground. We are going to have regular dedication towards women's football. We are going to have regular contribution on Manchester United women's football. And I told you we were going to do it. And I felt sad yesterday. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But we are bringing on today a regular contributor to Manchester's Burning. Someone who has extensive knowledge. Now, let me tell y'all managers out there, supervisors out there. One of the biggest lessons I've ever learned as a manager, as a supervisor, is if you don't know the information, someone asks you a question, you don't know the information, just say you don't know. And then say, I'm going to find out for you. And then get back with you. Don't fool anyone. Don't give up some made up answer. A lot of people do that. That's the worst thing you can do in life. That's the worst thing you can do as a manager. So what I did is I went out and I found a man. I found a man who has the information, who knows this material much better than I do. So I bring along our new regular contributor to Manchester is Vernon, Mr. Adam Bateman. He is from Northwest England and he has extensive knowledge on the subject, extensive. Thank you, sir, Mr. Bateman, for being on. Thank you for being a regular contributor to this to talk about Manchester United women, uh, maybe some other subjects related to the FAWSL, but thank you very much for being here. Hello there. I'm very welcome to be on here. It's fantastic to finally get this started. I'm really looking forward to being a regular contributor. It's fantastic. Such a great topic as well. One day that's near and dear to my heart. Right. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. So when we first started talking at him, we were pointing to United's match. We actually were pointing to two matches that were very critically important for the United women that were coming up, very critical to the title drive that they're currently on. Everton, which was supposed to, which is supposed to be played tomorrow, and then Chelsea. Uh, so, but... We lamented yesterday that, oh my gosh, the United match was has been postponed uh, with Everton. Why, Adam, was the United match with Everton postponed? Well, this is the burning topic of the day, isn't it? Our match was postponed, supposedly. Well, there's still lots of confusion surrounding this, but because Everton have had players... Sadly, and I wish them all the best, contact the coronavirus, which, you know, is going around cancelling matches here and left, right and centre. But this is slightly different because they've had players that have contacted the virus, but this time not tested positive. They were back in training, but were totally match fit to play. I think it was five players they had that were in this situation. And then coupled with other injuries, which supposedly meant Everton could not put out a bit, I think it's minimum 14 players for this particular game. And so unlike other games, like the City and the Arsenal ones, where they have had positive tests, which have led to their matches being cancelled or postponed, shall we say, this Everton one is only because they can't put a squad together due to covid reasons fitness reasons well, the players being back in training you could at least put them on the bench i would i suppose because they've not tested positive that's the that's the the crucial thing here they've not tested positive and so it's a bit of a muddled situation and so it's hard to say with the rules as they are if that match should at all have been cancelled they've got it cancelled postponed I don't personally think it should have been. They okay. should have at least been able to cobble together a few players for the game. Just to clarify, Adam, just to clarify. So 
Is it that Everton could not put out a full squad due to COVID positives and injuries? Or was it United who couldn't put out a squad or both? No, we could put out a squad. We're, we're fine. We're ready to okay. go. It's uh, Everton. They've not had positives. They've had players that have had the COVID before Christmas, mm. but are now back in training, but are not sufficiently match fit or recovered from the COVID. So mm. they've had negative tests, but have not physically recovered from the COVID, if you, if you know what I mean. And so they've, had, they've requested the game to be postponed. So it's slightly different from the City and Arsenal ones where the matches are postponed or have due to positive tests. That there's, there's a key line, a key difference there. So, yeah, and I think there's two different stories here then, actually, when you think about it. So there is now what is called Dubai Gate. Now, anytime y'all, anytime y'all, there, there is anything that has the word gate behind it, Watergate, Smurf Gate, Gatorade Gate, Puppy Gate, whatever, you know, anytime the word gate is attached to another word that it's not supposed to, not a good thing. Blame Richard Nixon for that, y'all. Just blame him. Don't worry about it. He's been deceased for a, a century and a half. But anytime there's a gate, so now on footy social media which i don't know if this is a good thing or not but but maybe adam you can speak to this but but there is such a thing now as dubai gate adam what is dubai gate well here we go this has all started when the, in, in this country over here we had boris johnson our prime minister he decided to put us all to different tiers throughout the different country and for the listeners over there that means for different parts like for the north and the south it was in the south it was tier four which meant you could only leave the country for business reasons only not for a holiday not just because you want to just business reasons only so that's like covers chelsea london clubs chelsea arsenal down there for us in Manchester, we were in tier three, so that means you could leave the country, but under under the current circumstances, we were advised to stay at home. So Manchester clubs, Manchester players, they could leave the country, but it wouldn't exactly look, you know, from a PR perspective, the best thing to do. So let, let's just, you know, that's just the firm foundation from the beginning. So from there... It was revealed about a week or so afterwards that four Manchester City players had gone to Dubai under pretension of business, which were perfectly time to do in Manchester reason, Manchester area. But of course, with COVID and people not being able to see their families for over a year in some cases, it didn't look good. And then when they were, there was a photo on social media, I can't remember who posted it now, of the four Manchester City players on a yacht in Dubai, and, you know, in bikinis, you know, or, you know, or attire such as that, just relaxing. And then it also came out that uh, there was one or two players from Arsenal that had gone to Dubai as well for business reasons. But then they were also spotted on the beach in Dubai, which kind of makes some sort of mockery of the business. They could also say they had a perfectly digital business and then went to the beach, but still the image of, of an Arsenal player, Arsenal players being on the beach doesn't look good. Especially now, when were you they got with the, women's they FA were with Cup. with the city players as well? Uh, not, not, I don't believe the Arsenal, I think two or three of the Arsenal players have been photographed with city players. Okay. By, I think it was in an okay. elevator somewhere. So not keeping social distance or wearing a mask either. Oh, wow. Another okay. controversial issue over there. And I don't want to go down that road over there for you fellas over there. But as I say, there was another image of, I think it was like Jordan Nobbs over there. Um, but so to say, it doesn't look good, especially with the Women's FA Cup over here being cancelled because of the amateur status and them having to also not see their families and so to see 
such high-profile players spending a week or so in Dubai, some, some, some relaxing, getting the sun, doesn't look good from a PR perspective at all. And then, to add injury to insult, the Manchester City players picked up, I would say picked up COVID, but there's positive COVID tests. And also the Arsenal players as well got positive tests when they came back, thus rendering their matches postponed. And so the whole situation is, should they have even been allowed to go? And which they, which they were allowed to go for business reasons if they were down south in London area. But it doesn't look good when they're doing that and they're the reason for the matches being postponed. But other people mm-hmm. stayed at home, followed the rules that were laid down in this country by our Prime Minister Boris Johnson and, uh, and were you know, tested negative. And so that's the whole Dubai gate there. It wasn't just Arsenal City. I think Birmingham had a player there as well. We had a player there as well, and our, and our captain, because he put a photo out of herself, Katie Zellan, being at a restaurant area, going to a restaurant or something like that. And so it's just kind of this whole... She came back negative, thankfully. But it's, it's this whole situation of... Sh- should the players even be been there what were they doing there was it really for business reasons was it for pleasure nobody knows the exact situation yet it's not been it's not been confirmed or denied by any of the players none of the players have talked about this yet and plus with the cancelling of the city and the arsenal games thus we've not heard from joe or gareth the managers of city and arsenal yet in the pre-match press conference so So did so did the did Sydney Manchester City the Gunners United did the clubs give their blessing for their players to go out of the country uh, different things city Manchester City gave their players permission because as I say we're in tier three I know it's confusing but that was situation at the time so they gave the blessing to go because they were in tier three whereas with arsenal they gave the blessing to go on business purposes only and so it's whether that's whether they actually went for business when they were pictured you know in some bikinis on the beach or was it just for you know just a cover story it's just a whole confusing situation at this stage and as with our with with our player, Casey gave our players permission to go home and to see family members, uh, so to, to leave you know, this country. But at this stage, it's not known if they really gave permission to, for them to go to Dubai. So it's just right. without having the right. players speak publicly mm-hmm. on this, it's hard to it's hard to fathom facts from fiction at this stage. So you brought up Casey Stoney. She is the manager of Manchester United. She has been the manager since the start of their project. She, uh, I think, gave either an interview or a press conference yesterday. I want to read out a part of that that she made in relation to Dubai Gate. She said, quote, I said before Christmas that I will always take my players' well-being into consideration and I granted permission for my players to go home and see their families to have a break. On reflection, I do trust my players wholeheartedly to stick within government guidelines. Everything we allowed them to do was within government guidelines. And I have to be honest, and on reflection, it was a poor error in judgment from me. I am sincerely sorry for that. The buck starts with me, and it stops with me, so I am sorry for that. Everything was considered as a club in terms of the player's needs. That's why it was approved. I'm human, I make mistakes, I made a mistake, and I take responsibility for it. Adam, what do you think of Casey's statement in this respect? I think it's a very, I think it's a very good one because She's taking so taking the fall for the players. Well, well, 
at the minute it's just publicly known one of our players were there. There's, there's lots of speculation out there saying there's multiple players of ours. But as I say, so far it's only confirmed as being one. Could be more, I don't know. But say the speculate, there's lots of speculation out there without any firm evidence to back it up. Whereas in terms of Casey, um, she's she's this type of person that accepts full responsibility that for anything and everything that's on a negative area for the players. So anything they do that's wrong, she takes that on and apologizes for them, which is and takes the pressure off them and takes the heat for them, which is exactly what you should do as a manager, I believe personally. And so that kind of helps to die down the situation and to hopefully progress to another situation, another topic. But uh, Casey is just this firm manager and firm belief that players should take responsibility for their own actions. And if they don't, she'll deal with it internally herself and not publicly announce, you know, or publicly flog players in public. That's not her style at all. So, y'all out there hearing this, watching this, you know, I, I haven't mentioned this on this program before, but you know, there's something called peeling, peeling the onion, and you and you get layers, and then there's layers, and then there's layers, and then it takes forever and a lot of tears. Apparently, I, I haven't really tried it, you know, realistically because I don't like tears that much, but. To be honest, there's so many layers in an onion. You get to, the, and then you finally get to the core. You get to the center of the issue, and but there's so many layers to this because on one hand, from what you're saying, Adam, you, we got Arsenal players who were going down there on quote business. I guess that's within the government guidelines in tier four or three, four. I think from what you're saying, and then you had tier three people who are in you know tier three folks who had more freer travel uh opportunities clubs saying okay for the well-being uh for you know you need a break we're on a we're on a holiday you know okay fine so the 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 level of responsibility you know, some of it, in my opinion, Adam, you, you tell me, some of it falls on the clubs, in my opinion. But I think in the end of the day, and I think that's what Casey's alluding to, she's taking responsibility for her part. But she's also saying, hey, you know what? And I think it was later on in the interview, she said to the effect that, you know, as you said, that individual players also have to take responsibility. Individual players will be handled internally, which is which sounds to me appropriate, right? No, that's correct, yes. She she trusts her players and gives them a lot of freedom, but when that freedom is um, not exactly followed through, then she will deal with it behind the scenes. And believe me, from what I've seen in the documentary on, on the players that was on MUTV recently, when you got to see backstage footage, you don't want to cross her. She's not the type of person that goes lightly on a person. And so I, I do believe if it was one player, multiple players from us, they will know what exactly their responsibilities are going forward, shall we say. Even the captain? I believe so, yes. She doesn't make any difference between who I are and be a first player or in conjunction with the developing team. Yeah, you know, had the game changer situation and so every player is on the same level she trusts them all and she expects them all to keep the responsibilities as much as possible so what happens next so the, the matches have not been rescheduled what happens next for the schedule the fixture schedule for united next uh, is we've got chelsea next sunday now this Everton one is going to have to be rearranged somewhere in the schedule later on providing there's you know no more covid incidents uh, throughout the club or anything anything like that we have to find a way to fit it into our schedule now it, i'm just thankfully it's not say one that was against chelsea because if that one gets postponed next week then we're in real trouble because of their schedule they're still in the conti cup league cup fa cup if that's 
you know, still gets going again. I don't know. Champions League and also the league. So their schedule is seriously packed and they're having issues now because City have had to cancel their League Cup game against Chelsea and because of this incident. So they're having to try and find another fixture date for that game and that's going to be pretty hard to do. So it's just, at the minute, it's just a bit of a mess. And so for us, we get more time to concentrate on the Chelsea game but at the same time, it's not ideal for us because we have to try and find another date for this Everton one. It's just, you know, it's what can you do? So in looking at the, the schedule that was supposed to happen in the FAWSL, there, you know, Aston Villa, Arsenal postponed. Yeah. Manchester City, West Ham United postponed. Everton, yep. Manchester United postponed. Yep. Bristol City and Brighton Reading and Chelsea still on for tomorrow. Now, I, I've been hearing, seeing controversy about those matches. Tell me, Adam, what, what about those matches? What's going on with those? Those are still on, but I'm hearing controversy that maybe those, because of maybe double standards, what are the FA's actual rules around this? Why are they going on? What's going on with that? I'm hearing some controversy on that. So far, those two are going on. Was the other one Birmingham against Tottenham, which has been called off because that's quite controversial as well. Because throughout Birmingham, we've got one of the smallest first team squads in the Super League. I think we've got 18 first team players, and so they've had a few injuries. And so, and plus, uh, no COVID, thankfully, just normal, say normal injuries. Nobody ever likes to see anybody injured. Um, so they can't put a squad together of, of suitable enough numbers for that game. So they've had to try and say, sorry, we would like this game postponed because we've not got enough players. Usually they only have a squad of about 12 or 13 players for the past couple of games anyway. But now they've got the squad of about 10 players and obviously that's shorter than the 11 you need to start a game. Um, and so they tried. They said, "Can we get it postponed?" First of all, the FA I think said no, because there's no COVID reason for them to postpone it. And then they said, "But we haven't got enough players to start the game, and so we're not going to play the game." And so now that game has gone to a tribunal to see what's going to happen. It's now been thankfully called off because you don't want to put players' welfare under due stress by just starting with ten players and no subs. And so we're going to see what happens with that one. But thankfully, the other two are still going on. But it's just an absolute minefield in terms of the regulations and the rules and what's acceptable, what's not with COVID, with injuries. Mm-hmm. And so Birmingham couldn't put a squad together, but Everton could. Yet Everton apparently is called off and Birmingham couldn't get theirs called off. But now they have, thankfully, I, I believe is the right decision. Mm-hmm. But I might get penalised with a points deduction now is, is the talk, but I think that's crazy if that happens. As I say, we have to wait for the FA tribunal decision on what happens with that one. So, this is where I need to be educated. There has been talk out there, and, and, and maybe it's naive that, well, question out there is, well, why, why don't some of these teams who saying they can't field players, enough players on the first team to start the match, to have the appropriate number of substitutes, et cetera, why don't they use their academy players? That question's been out there. What, what, why is that not, why can't they use academy players and throw them in there? Because it's, this country, it's different with, with the men's game, you see, uh, with with Derby and with um, Villa yesterday, they played their academy players at their men's FA Cup games. With the women, it's different because it's different bubbles. And I'll sort of use that word again. It's because with the women's academy youth players, they tend not to train alongside the women's senior players. And so you need, I think it's either 10 days or two weeks in separate bubbles before you can be called up to the first team level. And so that's the issue with you, you can't just pick and pick somebody from the academy and then go to the first team. You need to have had those players training with the first team at least two weeks before the first game, first team game can be played. And it's, it's just an absolute minefield with trying to work out the different tiers, different bubbles, everything to try and 
get a team on the pitch and it's, it's you know very confusing for everybody out there me everybody players but even managers are on, a bit on twitter asking please help us what's the situ- actual situation so right. if they don't even know right you know how the heck are we as fans supposed to know exactly exactly what needs to happen is a lot more clarity and clarification out there from the fa as to what's acceptable what's not in terms of who's allowed to play for each team and when and what what classifies as being worthy enough to get a game postponed that's all we ask for that's all we want is clarification and i speak about this a lot uh, I speak about this a lot all the time around leadership, management, everything else, the idea of transparency, the idea of that you you let everyone know where everything stands as clearly as possible. And when you got and that's where and when you have lack of transparency, lack of clarity, you don't give all the information that that you can give around a certain situation. And this is one of them, it sounds like where and then then that's where the conspiracies start coming out because what i kept what i started seeing online from people were like oh well you know there's a double standard because if this were a big club then it'd be one standard and then for little birmingham it would be or bristol or whatever it'd be another standard so when you have lack of clarity, when you have lack of transparency, then then stuff that may or may not be objectively true gets thrown out on the table. And so that's why I think in my mind, and I think in a lot of people's minds, the FA who is responsible for coordinating this has dug themselves a hole all the way to the core of the onion, the core of the earth, the core of whatever, and now they are struggling to get themselves out of it. I mean, to hear you say that there's going to be a tribunal to decide on what are these matches about, like, what's going to happen? And I'm like, a tribunal? When the rules aren't clear to start with? I mean, that, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's baffling to me. Are you afraid, Adam, that the FAWSL is going to just shut down or pause or stop? It could very well happen like that. The, the more and more cases that we that happen to do with COVID, that could, that could actually prevent more and more games from happening. And eventually the schedule is going to be too jam-packed because obviously at the end of this season, you've got the, you've got the Olympics which are, for the women, very, very serious, as you know, over there with your women's national team. Absolutely. Um, and so I can't remember the exact specific end date that it has to be. I know with the men, it's the May the 23rd. I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact date for the... Because we've got the European uh, European Championships over here for the men. I can't remember what exactly is the confirmed date for the women with the Olympics. But if there's more and more cases of COVID and more and more matches get called off, there will have to be a point in time where we start talking about points per game like it was with Chelsea last season. And I just hope it doesn't come to that. I honestly hope hope not. I hope we can finish it. So far, we we are in a stage of manage, of being able to manage it and play games. But as I say, with, the, with this weekend showing what potential negative side can be with so many games being called off and not for the best reasons obviously but if we can manage this situation it should be okay to finish the season but if you have if you have more and more games calling off then that will be serious threat for the season i'm very worried that if there is a pause to the fa wsl that A, they won't get back started again because of exactly what you just talked about. And you'll have this points per game thing that happened last season, which awarded a, 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 a awarded Chelsea the championship, even though they weren't didn't have the most points, but they had the most points per game. Yeah. That's not the way anyone wants to end the season. Um, there's not a whole lot of celebration in that. If United ends up in that position, I obviously they'll accept the trophy, but they're going to be an asterisk on it. No one wants that. But also, I'm afraid for the game itself. I'm afraid for the because this the the FAWSL has had a coup. 
and, and I'm going to use cool in a good way, <laughs> not in a bad way, like I did the other day. The fact that the NWSL had a total complete dumpster fire with medical waste and puppy toys in it, they, they, didn't, they, didn't, they had trouble getting things back started. That allowed the opportunity for five U.S. WNT players to then move to the FAWSL, which I think then brought a whole new hemisphere of people looking at the FAWSL. We would not be probably, Adam, we probably would not be having this conversation had it not been two U.S. WNT players ending up on Manchester United squad. We'll talk about those two in a minute. But my point is, is if they stop, now I'm worried that it's going to put the game, the women's game back when there's been so much positive momentum. It's going to put it back. What do you think, man? Uh, I honestly totally agree with you. It's the la very, very last thing I want to see is, is stop. Now, obviously, player health and player situation to do with COVID, that should always be paramount. I do not want to see anybody pick up COVID or any injury or anything to do with health unnecessarily at all. So if it needs to be stopped for health reasons, that's fine. I, you know, for that, I'll be fine. I want everybody to be healthy and you know, secure. But from a purely on-the-pitch situation, it would be an absolute nightmare. Players have already had one season messed up. To have two... Now that would, you know, that would totally ruin any sort of momentum or any sort of, uh, you know, development for players going into the world, the Olympics, and it's just, it's just been an absolute nightmare. It's just, especially when you try and sort out next season as well. Right. So I, I would not want it to stop. It would seriously harm everybody involved from a playing perspective, and I don't know how you would restart it anyway. Because if you have a two-week pause, say. You then have to have, say, a mini pre-season again to try and get the people up and get the players up and running again. So you're talking about an extra two weeks on top of that minimum. And so then you've got to think about the fixtures as well. They might have to play three or four games in a week to try and catch up. Mm -hmm. And so then it's a case of, again, another player performance issue, player health issue there. And then if they pick up COVID again, then it's... It's all again another nightmare situation. Right. Exactly. There's no positive, you know, there's no positive way out of this. I don't want to start, you know, being a negative nanny or anything like that. But leave that to it's me. Hard, it's hard to see a way out of this if if we have a you know a paused situation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't want right. it to be a poor situation, but if there has to be, there has to be. Understood. Understood. So let's go, let's talk about United. Let's talk about Manchester United. Uh, it has been a meteoric rise. It's been meteoric. I checked. I, I checked, and it appears that. And I know it was because you got the we got the badge here that that's you know front and center all this the Manchester United brand and badge and all that. But basically, it looks like the Manchester United women's team is probably one of the probably if not the most popular women's team in the world club wise within three years. There's a few others, but you look on social media, you look at the number of engagements, you look at the growth. Uh, I've seen multiple statistics that basically that you have from a social media standpoint, the engagement and so forth, the followers, et cetera, the support, et cetera, that the United Women's team has more support than most men's teams, <laughs> you know, in England, in the world, et cetera. So it's been meteoric. Uh, rise, which has been incredible, but I want to talk about the, the performance on the pitch. So, Christian Press, Tobin Heath, joined United at the start of uh, the season. They had to do, uh, you know, this, the isolation bit when they came over, uh, weren't immediately available. How have they impacted United's team this season? They've been absolutely fantastic, to be honest. I've, I've, I've said this previously. You see the impact in our men's team with Bruno Fernandes, how he's taken the team onto a whole other level there with his impact and his performances. I'd say the equivalent to the women's team would be Tobin Heath. Now, previously, we were doing very well last season without them. 
but with them they've taken us onto another plane it's, it's fantastic their professionalism and their determination and their will to win and their never say die never give up attitude because they know they've won world cups they've won olympic medals gold medals they know what what is needed to get to the very top and to win Whereas we've had players that have played in the Super League, played with us in the Championship and won the Championship. And that's a very prestigious title to win, but it's still the second division. And so with last season, we lost all the games with our rivals, City, Arsenal, Chelsea. But this season, we drew with Chelsea. Obviously, they weren't involved, but then we beat Arsenal. Came back from 2-0 down at half-time against City in the league. They've just brought on this this whole different perspective, the whole idea, and the players around them, like Leah Galton, fantastic, Hayley Ladd, everybody around them have just picked up their game and have absolutely been such, such a huge bonus for us. I mean, obviously, the, the reason for them coming, I would not have wanted that, obviously, with the NWSL shutdown, etc. But once we got them, I was absolutely delighted. Christian Press, obviously, she's had her illness recently, and I hope she is back to full fitness soon with her health. But both of them have both brought in this level of professionalism. I don't know if we had previously. And I, I'm up, I, every match that we, we have them in playing for us, I look forward to seeing it because obviously we're still undefeated. And I think that's a whole thankful to those two bringing that level of professionalism, as I say, to the team. United sits in first place in the table. Adam, I'm going to ask you the, the two million pound question that everyone <laughs> wants to know. Is Manchester United, are they going to lift the trophy? Are, are, are the ladies going to lift that trophy at the end of the season, the way things are going on? As you said, as you mentioned, they have not been defeated. They've had draws, but, but they have not been defeated so far this season in the WSL. Are they going to lift the trophy? Is Ooh, it realistic so that they're going to win the trophy? Actually, those two, those are two different questions. One is, are they? And the other one, is it realistic? I think we already know the answer to the second question. But, but Adam, what do you think? What are their chances? What are their chances of looking at trophy? I'd, I'd say, I think we're very good to at least finish in the top three. That's first of all. I know that's a bit of a cop-out, but let's just start from the bottom and work our way up. We're, I think we're good, very, say about 80-90% to finish in the top three. And then from there, in terms of winning the title... The matches against Chelsea and Arsenal City will be absolutely vital. We, we played them all at home, and now we've got to play them away. We've got 100% winning record away from home, but we have had some patches of, let's say, less than good moments in away games. And now we have to really up our game to try and get anything out of the away games at Chelsea, Arsenal and Man City. And if we can, I think we've got a very, very good chance of winning the league. I'd, I would love it, honestly, to quote you know, the Keegan situation, love it if we could do win the title. It would be, in my mind, because of COVID, it would be back-to-back full-season titles. Comes mm-hmm. from the Championship to the Super League, and that would be oh, I mean, mind-blowing if we could do it. I want us to do it, obviously. It's just really, really scary in a, in a good way to think we can do it. We are right. at that level. And right. obviously, linking right. back to what I said previously, mm. that's that Tobin Heath and Christian Press could be the key to doing that. And I would really, really love to see to say, yes, it can happen. Right. So, uh, going, real quick, I know that uh, my understanding is that both Christian Press and uh, Tobin, uh, Tobin Heather are on one-year, one-season contracts. Can United keep them? I think we can keep them. I mean, you over there, I think, will know more about the draft system that you've had over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they've been drafted by a club over there, but not apparently going to play for them. I'm not entirely 100% sure on the draft system over there. I admit that 100%. But I think if we can you know, say to them, do you want to stay for another year and play Champions League football with us? That mm-hmm. could be a huge key to keeping them on. So that's, why yeah. this, so that's why this season is so vital for so many reasons. Finishing the top three, our summer transfer budget and summer options in terms of who we can possibly bring to the club 
be hugely improved than if you finish outside the top three, which is the three Champions League positions in the league. So I really seriously think we could get them both on on longer, at least another year with us, at least. Those of you who know me know that I am absolutely fascinated by managers. Uh, they they are often you know the face the of the of the club if going forward and, and they, they are like they are like celebrities also I mean they, they reach a high level celebrity status even sometimes more so than many of the players so I find I am absolutely fascinated by Casey Stoney I, I'm absolutely fascinated by her managing style how she is preparing the club how she's preparing the team her strategies her you know, and when I see her in interviews and, you know, where I see, I mean, very straightforward, seemingly very transparent. I speak a lot about the, the, the manager bot statements that managers often make where, you know, it's like, what do you think about the next game? And they say, oh, we're going to take it one day at a time, one game at a time. And, uh, you know, we're going to make sure the players are prepared, blah, 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 blah. And it's manager bot. I don't get that much from her. But Adam, you know her story more than I do. Tell us about Casey Stoney. Tell us about her background briefly. And what does she bring to this club? What does she bring in terms of tactics, personnel management, and emotional intelligence? Well, let's just say, from a playing career perspective, she was a highly decorated player. She played for Arsenal, Chelsea, and if I remember rightly, she was also, for a brief spell, player manager at Chelsea as well. So she also played for Liverpool as well. So she's got very high standards and very high level of contacts within the game because she's played so long at the very highest level. She also played in the London Olympics for Team GB for us as well in 2012. So from that perspective, her high her level is tremendous. And then from a managerial perspective, obviously ours was our first managerial proper one, if you don't include a short spell as player manager. But she came from uh, assistant manager with Phil Neville with England for a brief time there as well. So she's got this connection with loads of the players in the game, especially in England and throughout the world. She's very highly respected. She just knows what she's talking about. She knows the management side because she's learned from so many good managers that she's worked under. Because she was at the club at Arsenal when they had that tremendous spell, when they were just winning left, right and centre, when they had like Kelly Smith up front. And so... um, she just knows what she's talking about. Her mindset is so one track that it's you know, success, but also she knows how to manage a group of players. To be thrown to thrown at a club with zero players, zero staff like we had, and then within six weeks, literally having to get a group of players together, and not only that, have to win. It was we did in the championship. We were under pressure. They could say, oh, but we had the money, we had the finance. That is one aspect, yes, but from a purely psychological and managerial perspective, managing a group of players is not easy. When you're thrown together and you're expected to try and find, oh, is, is 4-3-3 the best? Is 4-2-3-1 or whatever is the best? And you're doing it basically on the fly because you don't know who works well with who. It just shows how in-depth and how tremendous of a manager she is. I I can't personally speak highly enough of her. She's done day outs, day trips out to try and bring the squad morale together, like army bases and and days out like that, to try and bring morale together with the players. Uh, I just can't speak highly enough of her, to be honest. I think it was an absolute steal that Manchester United got her. I, I, I was, I, when I, when I, hearing what I've heard, hearing other players speak about her and hearing, looking at the interviews that both Tobin Heath did and Kristen Press gave when they came on board, both in the U.S. and for MUTV, they, they, they spoke extremely highly of her. 
and the respect they had from her from the get-go. Uh, I absolute steal that, you know, out of the gate and an absolute challenge for her. I mean, you know, trying to get a team together that quickly and actually then perform. I mean, there's one thing of getting to get a team together, but yeah, it takes a lot of organizational skill, a lot of know-how, a lot of emotional intelligence to be able to pull it off. And it's obviously she's pulled it off. Uh, and you mentioned the resources. You're going to hear me all the dang time here about resources resources is one thing but you botch up the resources you've got and you don't know what the blank you're doing with your resources and you waste it take a look at the waste that's happened i'm sorry to say at united's on the men's side we spend a whole boatload of money on what you know come on do i need to mention piano man do i need to mention him okay no i don't need to i don't need to i don't want to mention him again i don't actually ever want to see him again actually but my point is it's the it's you you can botch the whole thing up. You can invest 800 million pounds, 800 million dollars into something. But if you don't know, spend the money right in the right way, get the right people in charge, then, then it don't matter. It don't matter if you have the resources or not. It don't matter. I mean, in some people, you can pull it off with 200 million. But the point is, and everyone talks about it's the money, it's the money, it's the money. It's not. It's how you spend the money. It's how you do it. And that's what happened here. So you had a perfect, you have a perfect mix. So as we close, there's a lot of people in my audience. Now my audience, there are a lot of people in my audience, to be honest, Adam, that who, who are not fans of football at all. I don't know why they listen to me. I, I don't know what I bring to the table or why anyone want to listen to this, me rant and rave and, and wear weird clothes all the time. But my, my point is, is that uh, there, there's some people that are like, hmm, I never thought about watching football. I never watched about, now I'm talking about football, football, not that American brain damage football. All right, so, uh, and they like, you know, I've gotten them interested. So now I'm going to give you the floor, Adam, and I'm going to say, Adam, I want you to sell Manchester United women's football to my audience. Why should they look on, get the uh, free FA player, get the uh, NBC Sports app, where they can watch FAWSL games and specifically United. Why get that impossible subscription? We can start to debate that subscription to MUTV later. But why should they pick specifically Manchester United women's football to follow and watch? Beyond now, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hurdle. You gotta jump. Obvious draw, Keith Press. In the United States, obvious draw. So let's—that's an obvious one. But what are the other reasons? If you want to watch fast-flowing, attacking football, then we are the team for that. You want goals? You want shutouts? As you say, shutouts at one end, goals at the other. We are the team for that. We got absolutely fantastic young players in Lauren James, Ella Toon, Alicia Russo, Ivan Fuso. We got everything you want in a team. Defensive-minded, attack-minded, we've got the lot. It's just fantastic. We've got the great manager. We've got game changers, what we call substitutes here, what Casey does. It's, I absolutely love watching them. It's, it's just a whole complete package. If people want to come and watch a women's team, I recommend watching us. There's just so many fantastic players. We've got the, the camaraderie and the spirit is fantastic. Millie Turner, oh, what a character she is. She's funny. She likes to play jokes when you see her. She, oh, I, you know, so many fun moments watching her. Uh, it's fantastic. So I, I just, I, I can't passionately say anything more than please, please watch us. Please give us a chance. This is, it's, it's a team that is on the rise and we're going to take over this women's game. You want to be in at the start? Be here watchers right now this is the moment to do so get in on the ground floor you will not regret it i promise you you know adam i, I was sold already <laughs> before you gave that speech that run uh great uh that is absolutely awesome excellent points i totally agree 
Uh, and, and I talk a lot about on this pod is video cast. I talk a lot about making value decisions. And basically when you become a fan, when you support a club and I, I'm going to dedicate a whole show to this one day, if, if I get my mind straight to do it, but you know, you know, you know how I am, y'all. All right. But my whole point is it's value for value because if you support and watch a football club, you are trading your time, your energy, your emotions, um, maybe even your money for what you get from that club in return. So that, and so the hope is, it's a win-win that you basically, your time and your money, effort, emotional investment, the whole nine yards is part of being a supporter of a football club. And you get in return more than what you put into it or the same, then it's value, value, win-win situation. And so, you know, I think Adam, you made a strong case, absolute strong case that for value to value, it's a win-win situation because what you're appealing to is a lot of different possible value points, like successful team, successful, excellent young coach, young players, wonderful style of play. A lot of people pick clubs based on style of play. I picked a lot of clubs that way. I, I, I did. Um, and, and so that's a big part of it. Being on the ground floor of something that's going to be bigger than we can, that anyone can imagine at this point, this Phoenix metaphoric rise, uh, all of those things are definite selling points uh, moving forward. So Adam, I really appreciate your time, uh, your energy, your enthusiasm. That's exactly what I wanted to bring into the table at Manchester is burning. Um, I'm still looking for other people out there to be contributors for, you know, other teams, other women's teams and things like that. Still looking for that. You DM me on Manchester is burning on a Twitter I put the I put it out there. We're putting flags in the ground in the U.S. We are. We are going to put flags in the ground. We are going to do what others do not do. That's what we do here. That's what we do. Adam, thank you so much. You are a regular contributor. You will be on in the very near future. Hopefully, we will have matches to break down. Hopefully, we will have uh, things to talk about that are actually on the pitch and not uh, Dubai Gate and what or not. You know uh, the FA knows what the blank they're doing when they run, run a league, um, which is like a travesty. I heard at one point that somebody was talking about how they might be using coin tosses and things like that to determine, uh, you know, uh, FA Cup, is, you know, fixtures. I'm like, man, that is totally insane. That's like, that is the most irrational, stupid idea I've ever heard, but it's out there. That's, that's crazy, man. So, Adam, though, thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Um, and and I, I look forward to seeing you again uh, as a regular contributor. In closing, y'all, you know what I have to say. Look at the light. Know the light is there. Feel the light. Know the darkness is there. Know it's out there. Acknowledge it. But do not ever let the darkness hug you. Manchester's burning is out for today. See you all. Hear y'all, listen to y'all next time.